What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Legit Cool, where I review, recap, talk about movies, all things movies. I'm your host, River, and today's episode is going to be on the latest Bond movie that is long overdue, 007 No Time to Die. This is actually the fifth and final James Bond movie from Daniel Craig. I think we need to give a standing ovation to this guy. Can I cue the standing ovation? Nope, I don't actually have that cue because I'm not that sophisticated. But this is his last, his final Bond movie. It is the curtain call for Mr. Daniel Craig. I think he's done a stellar job with all five movies, but I have to admit I'm not the biggest nerd on 007. My 007 knowledge is pretty rusty, but it's okay. It's, it's not too bad. Uh, and this movie I watched last night with a friend of mine, Jim Morris. A big shout out to Jim Morris. He's also a massive movie nerd like myself. Marvel nerd too. And we went and watched it at the Hoyts Entertainment Quarter here in Sydney, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast from overseas. We watched it at our new favorite cinema spot. Shout out to Hoyts Australia. The Entertainment Quarter cinemas are beautiful. This is not a plug for them, by the way. I'm not sponsored by them. Although... If you are listening and you are from Hoyts, feel free to sponsor my episode. I'll be more than happy to accept it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we watched it at the Hoyts in Entertainment Quarter on the latest technology in cinema, or as far as I know, it's the latest technology in cinema called the Samsung Onyx screen. This screen, guys, I am just overwhelmed by how good the quality of Samsung is. Samsung Onyx screen is. This is just the new obsession for myself and even for Jim Morris. Like, this is our latest obsession for cinema technology. This is the future right here. IMAX. I know IMAX has got some amazing laser projection, but I feel like Samsung Onyx screens is just a little bit better. Um, I don't want to go too in-depth about describing the technology behind this, but it's just the, the definition, the contrast of colors, the focal points it's just oh this this new technology is just un uh, unbelievable it's unreal you guys need to go check it out for yourself i don't know if it's um a worldwide release of this type of tech in cinema you'd have to look that up in your local cinemas if they are doing samsung onyx screens uh this is just it's the latest thing it is our favorite but without further ado let, let me get into this episode let me get into this review but first i want to do a, a bit of a shout out to Lake Drop Web Design. This episode is brought to you by Lake Drop Web Design. Lake Drop Web Design is an independent design business that uses the latest technology in CSS and code. If you're if you know anything about like website building or website design, you might know what these terms mean. Technology in CSS and code for engaging website design creation for a better user experience. Good user experience is a key piece to communicate accurately to your customer and how you want them to interpret your services and brand. You can contact them directly on create at lakedropwebdesign.com or lakedropwebdesign.com. Again, if you want to hit them up to build a fresh, exciting, modern website for your brand or your business or portfolio, hit them up on create, that is C-R-E-A-T-E, at lakedropwebdesign.com webdesign.com or lakedropwebdesign.com which can also take you to their contact uh, contact page there as well. Alright, now that 
is out of the way let me get into this episode reviewing 007 no time to die all right so like i said me and my major morris went and saw this last night and i'm going to tell you right now this review is going to be mostly positive because i really enjoyed myself i love this movie i love this movie a lot it done so many things for me and you know previously before i saw this movie casino royale was definitely my number one movie out of all the daniel craig james bond movies but also including every single james bond movie and i think there's i don't know how many james bond movies there are i'm gonna say there's 25 but don't quote me on that i think it's about 25 james bonds james bond movies and it sort of spans across almost 50 years or something that's crazy right Imagine a franchise going this long. That's pretty impressive. And for some reason, they have some kind of magic formula to keep their James Bond fans and maybe even not James Bond fans uh, engaged with the whole James Bond saga. So, yes, Daniel Craig, this is his fifth and final James Bond movie. No Time to Die is a 2021 spy film and 25th. Ah, see, I was right. And 25th James Bond series produced by Eon Productions. It stars Daniel Craig in his fifth and final outgoing of this fictional British MI6 agent James Bond. No Time to Die is directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga. I hope I pronounced that correctly. From screenplay by from a screenplay by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to actually... <laughs> uh, get into the rest of it but the plot is about a young Madeline Swan witness Madeline Swan if you have seen uh, 007 Spectre which is the previous one before this one uh, Madeline is also in that movie she plays a pretty key role in Spectre uh, she's also in this one and she also plays a pretty key role here too so young Madeline Swan witnesses the murder of her young of her mother by Laiustifa Lai Safin oh gosh in a failed attempt to murder her father, Mr. White. Madeline shoots Safin, but he survives. She flees into a nearby frozen lake and falls through the ice, but her but he rescues her. I think I'm actually starting to spoil the movie here. Whoops. I didn't even give you a spoiler warning. <laughs> Maybe I should give you a short synopsis of what this movie is, if, if that'll interest anybody. Uh, let me see, let me see. All right, so... Ah, let me start that again. Bond has left active service and is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. His peace short-lived when his peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix, later from CIA, turns up and asking for help. The mission is to rescue a kidnapped scientist. Turns out to be far more treacherous than expected, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology which is that guy that I butchered the pronunciation of his name. Let me try that again. Laiutsifa Sefin. I think that's how you say it. It's really pretty hard to pronounce that. But he's the villain in this movie. It's played by Remy Malek. Uh, now the cast is is a fairly big cast. It's got obviously Daniel Craig playing James Bond. We've got Anna de Armas playing Paloma. She plays a fairly small role in this movie. Remy Malek playing the villain, Laiusitsifa Sapin. Leah Sedu is playing Madeline. Lashana Lynch uh, is playing Naomi, oh sorry, Nomi, who's 
There's a bit of a re- reveal of her character in this movie, which is pretty cool. Uh, Ralph Fiennes is back as M. Ben Wishaw is back as Q. Uh, Naomi Harris is back as Money Penny, and Rory Rory Kinnear is back as Tanner. And then we've got small uh, reprise roles from Jeffrey Wright playing Felix later, and uh, Christopher Waltz is also making an, a short appearance as Blofeld, if you know him from Spectre. Now, now that it's all out of the way, let me get in this, into this review in depth. I'm just going to start off my first impressions, go into some small details of what I really loved about this movie, what I thought wasn't so great in this movie, and then I'll get into the big spoiler territory, and that'll be a better expression of uh, my emotions going into this movie and my emotions after the movie, and uh, I'll give you a overall conclusion and a rating to... No time to die. All right. So, like I mentioned earlier, I really love this movie. I really enjoyed my journey from beginning, middle to end. I thought that this movie performs at its best when the action sequences take place. My God, this guy Corey, uh, Carrie Joji Fukunaga, who's the director. I've, I haven't seen any of his previous work, but whatever he managed to do in this movie was breathtaking action sequences. Oh man, like he is he is one haymaker for an action sequence. He did a tremendous job and and I wouldn't be surprised if this guy has a lot of experience in action sequences on previous movies. I don't know any of his previous movies, but man, he did a stellar job. Uh, so that's when this movie performs at its best. It's probably some of the best action or directed action sequences I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, probably a little bit hyperbolic because there's a lot of great, really great directed action sequences in a lot of movies. But man, this just this blew me. It's it took my breath away with uh, how he decided to use his camera work, the use of cinematography, lights, colors, the, the different shades, and also like the color grading. I think is fantastic in this movie, which is. A little piece uh, a little piece of ingredients that adds to the whole experience of the action sequences but what a great job he done there um, I love the way this movie starts off it starts off with this kind of prologue or sort of a flashback and a prologue to how they're gonna set up this movie the whole introduction was great I wasn't expecting it to, it to lead into that um, we see sort of a young Madeline. We don't really know it's Madeline until the end of it. We see a young Madeline go through this traumatic experience, which I won't get into detail what that traumatic experience is. Um, and it sort of segues into the classic James Bond critic sequence, uh, which, by the way, I'm not a huge fan of this whole James Bond uh, opening credit sequence where there's, where there's like pretty much the whole credits that you see at the end of a film. Uh, you know what I'm talking about when you've seen all the James Bond movies, and then it plays out the entire song that is done by a famous musician. And this time, Billie Eilish done the song. Can't remember the name song. All these songs are a little bit kind of dreary, little kind of emo-ish. You know, not a huge fan. I love the animation that they do in this particular one, No Time to Die. Even the previous Bond movies when they do the animation of uh, which is behind all the critics while the emotional emo music is happening in the background 
I'm never really a big person that appreciates this, but um, you know, it, it does this as well in this movie, but right after it does the awesome introduction to how they're going to set up the story and plot. Uh, so we're sort of met with uh, Daniel Craig as James Bond. He's kind of in retirement, or so we're led to believe he is in retirement. Um, he's trying to live this peaceful life with Madeline, trying to settle down in secrecy. But we all know that, you know, it's pretty hard for a guy like James Bond to be living in secrecy. He's always got some something to look behind. At. You know, he always has to look over his shoulder because someone's going to assassinate him in some place at some time. Who knows? He's always very cautious and he has trust issues. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it leads into, into him in retirement with Madeline. And the story starts to unfold slowly, but it's, it, it takes its time, but it doesn't feel like it's dragging its time. It don't, we don't feel like we're being dragged through this kind of boring retirement phase. I think they did a great job at um, showing where James Bond has decided to go with Madeline. Uh, they... They breadcrumb a few things that might lead into something, but we don't actually see that progress until it starts to pick up a little bit of pace once certain explosions or a car chase or or a gunshot starts to happen as that first, first few scenes start to unfold. So that's pretty good. It's pretty good to see how they slowly progress the story. But... Um, as the movie starts, sorry, as the story starts to unfold, we see we see that the journey of James Bond goes far deeper than what we expected, and this is kind of a, uh, I guess this is their way of acknowledging what happened in Spectre, because Spectre was sort of an unfinished story, even though we thought that there was a finite or there was a confirmed ending for James Bond's journey in Spectre. We knew that there was something about the Spectre organization that was boiling beneath the surface that we haven't actually unfolded, which is what this movie gets into. And I thought what they also did really well was utilizing Christoph Waltz's character a little bit more. Now, the previous movie where Christoph Waltz plays the villain, um, who is kind of like this uh, head boss of the Spectre organization, uh... I think he did an okay job. I don't think they utilized him as a villain the best way possible because he's a super talented actor. He did flex his uh, acting muscles a little bit and he showed some good charismatic expression like how you would normally expect Christoph Waltz to be. But I just didn't think he was like a very menacing villain. And perhaps this is actually a bit of an issue with some of the James Bond movies that I have is that the villains are never really that threatening the story and or the weight of the story and the performances of the actors primarily James, uh, Daniel Craig they really sort of carry these James Bond movies half the time and that was definitely the case for Spectre and in this I liked that Christopher, Christopher Waltz came back as Blowfield to almost tie up that loose end of who the Spectre organization is and how it's impacting James Bond's retired life or his sort of short-lived peace uh, in retirement. So that was pretty cool. Um, 
what I also loved is that the characters in this movie do a great job at holding their own. Uh, Leah Seydoux, who plays Madeline, I think this is the best performance performance that she has put in. Definitely better than what she'd done in Spectre. We unfold so many different layers, and a lot of that is actually expressed at the beginning or the introduction of this movie. We start to peel back the pieces um, or the layers that Madeline has underneath her and all the secrecy that that starts to unfold throughout the movie. I think she does a fantastic performance in this movie and it really helps with the pacing of the story that starts to unfold. Uh, ben Wishaw, who comes back as Q. Man, I love this guy. I think this guy is probably the best Q that we've ever seen in James Bond's. Um, he just has... He has the right personality. He has the right uh, kind of approach to the role. He's He does a great job at uh, demonstrating the nerdy side of who Q is supposed to be, while also being charming, gentle, and not being a cliched nerd in the whole tech world. If, if you don't know who Q is, if you're, if you're a newcomer to James Bond, Q is like the, um, the tech genius for MI6. And... He's, he's, he's just delightful to to see on screen. He does a great job at portraying that character. Ralph Fiennes comes back as M and he's great. He's always great. Always got a good performance. Always shows his best colors as M. And this time, there's, there's a couple more layers to his character, which is unfolding some secrecy. Um, I guess it's kind of expected and a little bit cliched for a James Bond movie that there's always a secrets upon secrets upon secrets, which can become a bit of an issue because you're sort of dragging the um, an old oily rug to something that we're already familiar with. It's like, okay, we're going to speak another secret that's on top of another secret. It's like, who, who isn't, who isn't like holding something back? Who isn't telling a secret? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think Raphael just does a great job. Coming back, uh, Jeffrey Wright, he's he's in this movie really um, in, in a really short time, uh, which is unfortunate because I actually really like Jeffrey Wright. I think he brings a lot of presence. He brings a lot of energy to any movie he's in. He's in it. He's in the movie briefly, but it's not wasted, which is great. Um, he doesn't crowd the movie so much he doesn't crowd the plot and if, if anything he's actually more of a plot device in, in this um so yeah so everybody actually does a great job in their performances apart from one actor Rami Malek it's probably um probably a little bit unpopular to say but unfortunately Rami Malek doesn't he doesn't actually bring much to this role or no actually I take that back he brings a lot to this role but i just think the role wasn't written very well he wasn't a very complex character uh, he wasn't actually very interesting he does have classic villainous tropes to him some predictable villainous tropes actually especially when it gets to the end uh he didn't he didn't actually play much of a definitive role um it actually wouldn't have mattered if he was in this movie or not to be honest, most of what this movie is about is hinged upon this. I, I, I can't give away too much right now, but it's it's hinged upon this mission that is. If if the mission unfolds or if the mission is successful, then it's going to be 
it's going to create a catastrophic global event and that's all i'll really say about that before i get into spoilers and rami malik's character is supposed to be the person that heads this operation but he has very little impact and it actually didn't wouldn't matter if he was in this movie or not and that's it's a bummer to say because you know for a villain uh you should have more to do in this movie and you should have more presence and be a bit more threatening but i didn't really feel like he was threatening throughout the movie i totally forgot that he was in the movie when he's not on screen but when he's on screen he does uh, okay performance like he's a good actor he does have presence when he's on screen but it's very forgettable and when he's off screen it's like i don't remember that he's actually in the movie and that's a big problem for a movie that relies on its villain to drive the story a little bit more uh lashana lynch she plays a very surprising role in this movie and she puts in a great performance and i'm excited to see her in future james bond movies if they decide to bring her back and uh they actually might bring her back because you'll find out when you watch the movie yourself they might actually decide to bring her back and she does a great performance she just holds her own she's believable she's got great charisma um and shows a lot of presence and i i think she's she's showing some skills that i've never really seen before in her previous movies some of those skills kind of are i feel like she can lead in the scenes that she is in so it'll be great to see her in, in another movie where she leads the movie herself or carries the movie herself I'm really excited to see her talent uh, be exposed or expressed a little bit more in different movies. Um, actually, a character that I really enjoyed in this movie that I didn't get to see much of is played by Anna Diamas, who plays Paloma. She's in this movie very briefly, but she has a lot of impact and she does a great job at just drawing me into her character. She has this kind of small mission with James Bond and that whole sequence was just awesome. The way she interacted with Daniel Craig, the way their characters kind of played off each other, the chemistry they were building, even though it was short-lived chemistry, they've done a great job. And I wish I could see more of her in the movie, but she she plays a very finite role. She does her job. She enters the scene, exits perfectly, and uh, it's a shame that we didn't get to see more of her. But other than that, she's done a great job. Uh, who else? Oh there's a character called logan ash in this movie he's played by billy uh magnuson i think his last name if i guess pronounce your last name yeah billy magnuson he plays the role of logan ash and his role is a little bit of a secret gets revealed that's uh i wasn't actually too surprised by the reveal uh, i don't think they're doing a great job at keeping that a secret um there's so many obvious uh sort of characteristics that he gives away in this movie but i actually remember him from a movie called game night which by the way highly recommend game night i think it's one of the best dark comedies of the last 10 years check it out game game night i actually might do a review on that later on when i do some retrospective reviews he does a pretty good job he's in this movie very short i think the vast majority of characters that pop up in this movie they're all playing really small roles some of them are a little bit irrelevant some of them add as plot devices to drive the story forward and that's always good to see but yeah what else do i like about this movie before getting into spoilers let me see i think i mentioned the camera work but let me talk a little bit about let me talk a little bit more about the camera work the camera work 
is stunning. Like whoever, who's the cinematographer for this movie? Uh, let me just check out who is the cinematographer for this movie. Uh, oh my god, where do I go here? Yeah, anyway, the camera work is just, it, it's some of the best camera work I've seen in a long time. Um, that goes back to what I was saying before about the action sequences. Our cinematographer is a guy called, oh, Linus Sand, Sandgren? Linus Sandgren. This guy's a bit of a beast in the cinematography world. He did First Man, which is a movie that I don't really like that much, but he's a cinematographer for that movie, and that one... That movie has crisp, clear cinematography. He did American Hustle. He did La La Land. Yeah, this guy's a bit of a beast. And I think this is probably his best work as far as I can see. I don't, haven't actually seen most of the movies that he's been a cinematographer in, but I've seen those movies, First Man and La La Land. He's done a stellar job in that. Um, yeah, the, the way that they use this camera, nothing's re ever really blurry. The camera is like, right in the middle of the action sequences you feel like you're in those moments and sometimes that can be a little bit gamey when when you're in those moments it can be a little bit blurred it can be too scrappy too messy and you can't actually see what's going on in the scene but somehow linus managed to get the camera right in the middle of the in the middle of the sort of gritty hand-to-hand -hand combat and and some of these crash sequences that you see, the gunfights, he manages to get the camera right in the middle without it being messy. You can still see what's going on, and they don't spend too much time within the details of these action sequences. They do large, expansive developing shots as well, so you can see the scope in which the action is taking place. And he does a great job of sort of balancing in like sort of close-ups on these action sequences as well also going back and doing some developing shots so you can see how much action is actually being displayed on screen and these guys they, they don't they don't waste any time on screen with their action sequences they get every frame every frame that is worth this like oh, sorry every frame that is worth uh driving the story they get all these action sequences to to really uh, yeah, I guess drive the story. Uh, nothing was really wasted. There wasn't any action sequences that felt too long dragged out or unnecessary. They all had to do with placing itself in the story, which is always a good thing. And it might seem cliche to say that this is a great action movie, but I don't actually take that statement too lightly. If something has great action sequences, there's usually a big rational reason an explanation why I think these action sequences are great. They're not just shoot them up, big explosions for no real reason. They serve the story well. So yeah, I, I couldn't boast too much about this. Uh, the action, the the action set pieces in this movie, it's great. It's beautiful to watch. You got to see it at the biggest screen possible. Um, but before I get into spoilers, let me just talk about the story in and of itself. The story is very very simple. They unfold it bit by bit. They don't, they don't spoon feed it to you. They they let you figure out what's going on by showing you 
uh, what's how the story is going to take place by different location spotting and um, how the characters are dialoguing with each other. They do a great job at just showing you what the story is going to be and there is a sort of thriller aspect to it. We don't know what this mission is really about. We start to peel back the layers of uh, this mission being a highly secret mission or oh, sorry, a highly secret project that MI6 has been working on for a very long time that James Bond knows a little bit about, but we don't get to see how how James Bond came to know this uh, project previously. We start to learn about it as he's uh, describing what this project is, both him and M. And it's it's great. It's, it's a really cool reveal. The story isn't very complex. It's simple, straight, it's straight to the point as it gets into act three um and i will say that the movie's weaknesses are probably going to be down to one the villain played by remy valet uh remy malik he isn't the best villain he's a little bit forgettable in my eyes but um you know he does a great performance and that's about it but the but the character is very uninteresting doesn't have anything to do with the plot necessarily like he does have something to do with it but it wouldn't matter if he was in it like i said before um and some of the dialogue sequences were pretty boring like not all of the dialogue sequences were boring but some of them were kind of boring especially when james bond meets uh Rami malik's character for the first time this is kind of in the third act when they meet for the first time, this is actually what I remember straight after the cinema. Their dialogue upon meeting each other for the first time, it was boring. Like, super boring. I, I was pulled out of the movie and sort of thinking about, oh, what am I going to get up to tomorrow or over the weekend? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know that's a problem when you start daydreaming a little bit and being pulled out and I'm not engaged or sort of connecting with the dialogue here. The dialogue was pretty boring and I actually can't even remember what they were saying to each other. It's, uh, it was a little bit of a disappointment. That wasn't the only dialogue sequence that was pretty boring. There were some places i think in the second act where he has a dialogue with madeline not all of their uh, dialogue sequences together are boring but there are some parts where i think whether in the hotel they're sort of speaking about the future together or something along those like i actually honestly can't remember some of those dialogue sequences because they were pretty boring um and those are the moments where I'm sort of thinking to myself, oh, okay, I'm daydreaming a little bit here. I'm getting pulled out a little bit. Bring me another action sequence because your dialogue is kind of boring. <laughs> and sure enough, they do. They don't They don't dwindle too much on these dialogue sequences that are not really doing much to the story. They, uh, the moment that I feel like I'm checking out of this movie, uh, an action sequence pops in, like, like uh, a gunshot is a, a gunshot. I don't know, a gunshot happens, or a crash happens, or or something, or an explosion happens. Um, and that kind of brings me back, I'm like, oh, okay, cool, this explosion kind of worked me up, and then the action sequences sort of play out to be really, really well-constructed and well-directed. Um, and uh, there's not a lot of other weaknesses that I'd see in this movie. Um, yeah, I think those are the main weaknesses that I think this movie has um and like i said before this movie is at its best when the action sequences are playing out when the story is moving with good pace it's not too fast it's not too slow it's kind of perfectly paced out um 
all the characters played their part they all were invested into this mission and this project that has been a secret for a very very long time that supposedly spectre knows about um and sort of this is hinged on what they plan on doing with this secret project that mi6 knows about or that mi6 has mi6 has been hiding for a very long time and so um as it goes through sort of what the first second and third act uh the story is just really well laid out nothing really complex about it a very simple story and i really appreciated that the pace in this movie is great very 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 good pace and all the characters play their part with the exception of a couple of characters <laughs> so i want to get into some spoiler territory i actually don't want to um talk more about this movie because there's not much more to unfold in this movie but in the spoiler territory i'll probably spend a good five or seven minutes because there are some big reveals that happen in this movie that lead into the ending and the final showdown for daniel craig himself right so big spoiler warning if you don't want to hear this part shut pause this podcast right now pause this episode right now and then come back to come back to this episode once you have watched the movie all right so biggest thing in this movie that got me really really well was the death of james bond yes yes james bond dies in this movie and he actually dies he's it's like a perma death this is what james oh, sorry this is what my mate jim marshall saying this was a perma death and he's right this is a permanent death and that got me really good but let me get get into the details of how they got me really good a little bit later uh some of the one of the biggest reveals in this movie is actually the v- reveal of madeline's character her father was a part of if not the head of the organization spectre i'm not sure if he was the head of the organization he might have been the head of the organization maybe i missed that part but i know that he played an important role in the organization called spectre and remy malik's character is introduced in the beginning and he assassinates not even assassinates he just straight up kills madeline's mother madeline's like i'm gonna say she's 12 years old 15 years old i don't know but um the movie opens up with her as this preteen and Remy Malek's character comes into the frame to and we all know what's going to happen you know he's there to kill her or the entire family I mean it's just her and her mother that's left and the the scene opens up with Madeline talking to her mom or her mom talking to Madeline asking her this question do you know what your father does and Madeline's kind of oblivious to what her father does and as they're talking you see Remy Malek's character come into frame with this really scary mask I actually really want that mask for the next Halloween <laughs> um he appears with a mask and he's he's got a rifle it's like a I don't know a cold carbine rifle or something and he's ready to just dominate on this family um so yeah so the scene goes goes into a little bit of expositional dialogue uh with Raimi's character and Madeline's mom um he's kind of questioning oh, where's the father where's where's your husband your husband has done this to me and my family or something like that and then he just straight up gats her in the lounge and Madeline is upstairs trying to hide from him and it's actually a really cool scene <laughs> like whoever this like teen this uh preteen actress 
actor actress is like she done a great job at performing this somewhat oblivious team but kind of knows what her dad is up to as you start to see the scene progress um she she wasn't oblivious to what her dad does she she kind of knows what her dad does because it seems like she was trained by her dad to protect herself by by using a pistol that's like sitting somewhere in the house cuz as Remy Malek's character is walking up into the loft he he's looking for her clearly and she's hiding underneath the bed um he goes to walk away and there's like a sound that comes from I don't know, like an alarm I think it's an alarm sound or something he turns around and she freaks the hell out and so she she grabs the pistol jumps onto the bed and just gats freaking maybe Remy Malek Remy Malek's character he's just she's just like bah, 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 with her pistol like she was so composed I mean she was a little bit nervous but she was somewhat uh, composed and trained clearly she's been taking training lessons from her dad he just she just completely gets him right at the beginning and he dies and I'm like what <laughs> this is crazy but then she she puts the pistol down she's crying her eyes out she's super nervous she's shaking grabs grabs his feet and just drags her outside and by the way I'm pretty sure you don't have the strength as a 12 year old uh, chick to drag a fully grown man outside by the feet like i'm no expert in physiology or anything like that but i'm pretty sure she doesn't have the strength to do that anyway i digress she drags him out into the um out into the open and the this house is actually based in norway uh, in winter time it's like right at the peak of winter so it's super cold outside everything's frozen uh she drags him out into the frozen lake and as she's dragging him he comes back to life of course, he's the villain of the movie. Of course, he's not going to die right at the beginning, especially in a flashback sequence. He comes back to life with his kind of gasping breath. And she freaks out, so she just runs in the middle of the ocean or runs in the middle of the uh, frozen lake. And then frozen lake starts to sort of crack up a little bit and she falls through. And so he gets up himself, goes over to where she's drowning and like sort of freezing to death in <laughs> this frozen lake. And... He fires some bullets within the frozen lake and the scene kind of cuts from there. You can kind of assume that she ends up sa- oh, so he ends up saving her because she's clearly alive and you notice that um, this is going to play a role in the story moving forward and we don't actually get to see that unfold until later in the movie. What is this relationship that uh, Raimi's character has on Madeline? as the adults I like does she know about this character and sure enough she doesn't actually know who is behind this character after 20 or so years um so that's a big reveal and that serves as a plot device later in the film and what important role is Madeline's character going to play in the story so I think the way they surprise us with the the secret that she wants to share with James Bond later throughout the film, I thought was really really well handled, and it's it wasn't a matter of whether I was going to believe or see if there's a prediction towards the secrecy. I kind of picked up early on that she has some kind of you know big relation or big important role to how the story is going to end. 
but I just like the way they handled it. it. They didn't, they didn't fully, um, they didn't fully force that down to us. Like is some kind of exposition or, or predictable exposition. They showed us beat by beat by beat, uh, throughout the scenes as they, as the movie gets on. So that's pretty cool. Um, the other big reveal is that, uh, the character that I was talking about before, what's her name? Uh, played by, oh, I can't remember her name. Played by Lashana Lynch. She plays a character called Nomi, but she turns out to be the new 007. I was kind of surprised by this. Um, you know, knowing that Daniel Craig was going to, this was going to be his final movie. I wonder if they're going to pass on the mantle to somebody else. And, um, everybody's been talking about who's going to be the next James Bond. Should we get, um, should we get like a female to play the next James Bond or the next double seven or something like that? People have been thinking about it just Albert to be the next, um, double Oh seven or the next James Bond. But in this movie, they just straight up tell us that Nomi is the new double seven. They don't, they don't say that her name is James Bond. Of course, the James Bond is just one person or one guy, but they re, reinstate the uh, the code or sort of the agent's number 007 to Nomi's character which I thought was a great way to perhaps introduce us to a new 007 for future movies they didn't force feed this, they, didn't, they didn't like say oh by the way we're going to change the whole 007 character to a black female they, they done it in a way that was gentle they, they didn't force it and they showed that Nomi, Lashana's character Nomi, was respectful to the to this uh, um, agent code 007. She had the utmost respect for James Bond, which she doesn't outright show. She has this kind of charming way of um, expressing it towards James Bond um, in sort of a frivolous way. Uh, I thought that was actually really well done. They didn't. They weren't trying to sort of tick the box of diversity here. They actually did a good job at saying that this this is the new 007 or potentially the new 007 because, as we learn by the end of the movie, she asks M to reinstate 007 towards James Bond um, because their relationship starts to unfold a little bit more and there's a bit more chemistry and a bit more respect towards each other. And I thought that was awesome very very good way of introducing but but also at the same time not introducing a new 007 really really well handled um yeah so that's a bit of real reveal and the last thing i want to say about the reveals and the big surprise in this movie is the death of james bond now i i've been like enjoying daniel craig as james bond i think he's definitely the best james bond out of all the james bonds out there i don't care what you guys have to say about like who's the best james bond sean connery or pierce brosnan or i don't know you guys can say what you want about who's the best james bond other than daniel craig but to me daniel craig is the best james bond and i actually fell in love with the franchise because of what he done as james bond in casino royale which is the very first bond movie that he's in um, he carried that movie so well, and that movie is just really, really good. Very, very good, and I'm going to have to say that like, No Time to Die is probably on par with Casino Royale. I think Casino Royale's villain and story is just a little bit better, um, but side by side, they're, they're very neck and neck, no, no Time to Die and Casino Royale. They're very equal to each other, as far as I'm concerned. 
Um, but I think the action sequences are much better in No Time to Die than Casino Royale, which is huge because Casino Royale has some mind-blowing action sequences, especially the um, the first action sequence where there's that parkour scene with that professional parkour dude. Oh, man, that scene is just so well-directed. Beautiful camera work there, but I think No Time to Die has a little bit of an edge. Um, yeah, so the death of Daniel Craig... I have built some kind of connection with Daniel Kay's performances over the last five movies, but I haven't been like overly drawn to his character. Like, like I'm inspired by his performance or anything. I, th- I think he's just done a solid job in all the movies, but for some damn reason, by the time we got to the end of this movie, we're going on sort of a better journey with James Bond. He's just like hitting the beats so well with James Bond. Like, I feel like this is, this is his prime performance as, James Bond. He's got all the classic uh, characteristics like the previous James Bond movies has had. Oh, and by the way, like the director, Kari Joji Fukunaga, he, oh man, like I, I think the biggest like directorial debut for him for a big budget film, he's done so much to acknowledge the, the past classic Bond movies. He, he just done a, a way of mixing and melding mixing and melding that's not even a word um he done a great job at paying homage to the classic bomb movies and you'll see this like actually we've already seen this because i'm in spoiler territory now we see this in the movie he brings all the classics back but it's still modern and trendy with modern filmmaking techniques and Daniel Craig actually brings a lot of that to the character this time around i don't think he's actually done that in the previous bomb movies where he plays a little bit of a classic um, Bond personality the same way that um, Roger Moore and Sean Connery and not Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> but yeah, those other classic uh, James Bond actors. He, he's got these kind of sharp turns, like sharp looks that, that all those previous classic Bond actors have done. And he brings a lot of that to the, to the table with James Bond. His performance in this is just at its peak it's at its best and i think that's why i felt more drawn to his character this time around more than casino royale like he just does that much better in this movie he throws in all the um all the skills that he has and all the knowledge is all kind of harnessed well in his performance as james bond in this movie i couldn't say anything better about his performance he really was the biggest standout in this movie and rightfully so this is his last movie it's his last hooray and i think with all those reasons i was emotionally invested by time by the time it got to the end um not in the third act but like the last 10 minutes of this movie i was so emotionally invested that i didn't ever actually realize as he's climbing um it's it's such a it, it's such a weird thing he's like he's, he's slowly climbing the ladder towards the top to see the missiles drop onto him you know you, you know what, exactly what i'm talking about but that whole kind of slow walk while he's talking to madeline over the intercom holy shit it was it was a slow build of a dramatic scene that was going to be super emotional as the score starts to kick in I was like finding myself, holy crap, I'm getting so emotional about this scene because he's giving his last piece of monologue to the audience. Or like he's giving it to Madeline because Madeline becomes 
this really important piece of uh, this important person to him as far as a relationship goes throughout these movies or the last two movies um the monologue is to him but it's also sort of a a a final farewell to us as the audience members it was so emotional i was like holy crap it's getting under my skin and i'm starting to get the feels for this and and as the the monologue or the dialogue between him and madeline reaches crescendo and the missiles are about to drop man i was just like full-on crying i was like holy crap i never thought i was gonna cry in a bond movie but i'm here crying in a bond movie because this character that has been played by daniel craig in the last five movies has come to its peak and it's the best send-off that you can give somebody well done hats off to that guy god damn being emotional in a james bond movie <laughs> um but i loved it it was a great send-off and he's for sure dead <laughs> um yeah, so that's all I really want to say about this movie. This movie is great. I highly recommend it. If you're a James Bond, if you're a James Bond fan, this is probably the one of the best James Bond movies in the last um, five iterations of Jan- uh, Daniel Craig's run. I think you, you're going to really love it. There's so much to love about this movie. So much to love about the character um, and also the other characters that play a great part in this entire movie. Um, go go and see it. Go and see it on the best screen possible. See it on IMAX. See it on entertainment. Um, entertainment. See it on extreme screen. I highly recommend that you see it on the best screen possible. I'm going to give this movie a rating of 9 out of 10. I Yeah, 9 out of 10. Take it to the bank. I rated it higher than Eternals. There you go. 9 out of 10. Loved it. Very much enjoyed it. And um, I'm going to go see it again. Um, if someone makes want to go see James Bond, I'm happy to go see it again. Maybe I'll get emotional again by the end of it, but um, I'm definitely going to go see it again. So that just brings me to the end of this episode. This is the second episode that I've done on Legit Cool, which is my podcast for movie reviews, recaps, and breakdowns. I want to thank you so much for taking out time in your day to listen to my my review and breakdown of james bond be sure to catch the next episode i think my next episode is going to be on uh the hmm, let me see i might have to think about what my next episode will be but oh actually the last jewel is a movie that i'm going to see tomorrow so i might just throw in a quick review for that it won't be a long dragged out review like this one in the previous episode um, but that movie's been out for a while and it's actually really Scott's latest movie so I should probably go see that um, if there are any other movies or TV series that you want me to review and you want to hear my take on it feel free to drop it in the comments below or uh, like and share it with others that might also want to see reviews and of TV series and movies that um, a review from my perspective feel free to share it on your own social media pages but thank you so much for listening my name is River and I will see you in the next episode of Legit Cool Movie Reviews.